Welcome to the Project Zion podcast. This podcast explores the unique spiritual and theological gifts Community of Christ offers for today's world. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Project Zion podcast. This is Brittany, and I will be your host for today. And we will be bringing you another episode in our Fair Trade series, which is all about faith transitions and faith journeys and experiences of faith with members of Community of Christ. So today I'm going to be talking with Dr. Chris Black, who lives in Oakland, California, and attends the Walnut Creek Congregation. And I must say that Chris and I first met in 2014, possibly? Was it? Yeah, you know, I, it was even before 13, maybe. It was a little while ago, but at a women's retreat in uh, Salt Lake, out of the Salt Lake congregation. Um, And Chris was a sociology major, and I just felt like, um, you know, she had leaps and bounds of experience ahead of me where I wanted to be. It was like I was peering into my future meeting Chris, and so we just had such great conversations about retreat. And I've been silently stalking her on the internet ever since. But <laughs> Chris, Chris was uh, recently ordained an elder at the end of June in her congregation. And she currently serves as a counselor to the pastor of the Walnut Creek congregation. And she's in conversation with the pastor and with her congregation um, as a possible transition into the role of pastor next year. So we will see where that takes her. But Chris, I'm really glad that uh, you you said yes to joining us on Project Zion. So welcome. Oh, thank you. I'm so glad you asked me. I've been secretly stalking you too. So you know, <laughs> uh, yeah. When I when I met you, Brittany, you were just so enthusiastic about everything. I think you were kind of in the middle of your faith transition journey as well. And uh, yeah, we just connected on so many levels, and I felt like I'd found a soul sister. So I think. You know, and maybe I'm speaking out of turn, but I just think that we both kind of really helped each other through all of the bumps and and journeys, you know, bumps that come along in this journey of faith. And and it's been nice to to know that you're there with me. So it's yeah. nice to be able to chat with you about this. Yeah, I feel the exact same way. And I think that in my in my conversations with you, we see the world very similarly. And I mm-hmm. just felt like you brought such a wisdom to our conversations that was really, oh, thank really you. helpful and a good perspective. So thank I'm you. excited to get to know you a little bit better in this conversation. Ah, It'll be good. Thanks. So usually with our fair trade episodes, we kind of start at the beginning, wherever the beginning looks like for you. So I'm curious to know what faith and religion looked like for you when you were growing up and maybe into young adulthood. And oh, sure. um, yeah, what did that look like in your family life and personal life? Well, growing up in central Utah, Springville, little town just south of Provo, it looked very conservative. (laughs) Uh, I was born and raised as a Mormon. Um, So when I say born as a Mormon, um, ancestors on both sides were LDS. I had converts on my mother's side and my father's side were part of the pioneer groups that came in and helped settle Utah, specifically in the Blanding area. So long family history of Mormonism. Um, Polygamy, you know, in (laughs) great-grandfather So I'm related to quite a bit, you know, pretty, pretty good chunk of Southern Utah. And, you know, just that whole kind of quintessential Mormon upbringing. So go to church on Sundays, um, baptized, go to primary, uh, went through seminary as a a young teen. Um, My family was really involved in the church on some levels, but not orthodox on other levels. So it's kind of an an odd mix of being um, gosh, I don't even know how to explain it. It was, uh, we weren't, we didn't do the thing of observing the Sabbath to the point of not going shopping or, you know, like a lot of Utah County families did. Um, but we did go to church and we went camping a lot of Sundays rather than go to church as well. So, you know, it's this kind of interesting mix of 
Mormonism and, and non-active <laughs> type of lifestyle. Um, but I think in the end, we were really, you know, pretty, pretty average, pretty average Mormon kid. Um, one of the things that wasn't average, though, I started noticing about myself, um, like, especially as a really young girl, instead of playing dress up as a bride, I would play dress up as a nun. And so I had this really early um, attraction to religion. And I remember like one of my first boyfriends uh, in eighth, seventh grade, you know, like, you know, really young, I can't really call him a boyfriend, but you know, this kid that I had a crush on <laughs> gave me my first Catholic medal, patron saint medal. And I fell in love with him. And I mean, not him, but the medals of the saints. <laughs> and started wearing crosses and, um, you know, and I was told that uh, Mormon girls don't do that. <laughs> And I wanted to go visit other churches, and that really wasn't encouraged either. So it was this odd mix of feeling a pull in an area outside of Mormonism from a very early age. I tried my very best to conform to Mormonism, and part of me could just never quite go there. So I spent the biggest part of the first 30 years of my life trying to be the, the good Mormon girl. Ultimately, I failed <laughs> and officially left the church um, around age 30. And there's a lot of personal and family drama tied up in that that I'm really not going to talk about. Um, but I just felt like my time was with the church was done. And so remember, this was in the time of... Um, ERA and women's rights. And that was one of the biggest issues for me is the place of women in the church. And it just got to the point where it was um, no longer sustainable for me to belong to a church that I couldn't fully support in ways and that I felt didn't fully support me. So I left and spent the next, oh, 20 years or so going from everything between atheism to Wiccanism <laughs> practice. And, and, and I claimed being a nun, N-O-N-E, for quite, quite a few years. Uh, but I still really loved religion. And it was when I um, took a class in, gosh, what was it? physics or something like that, that I really under, that changed my idea of God and turned God from this vindictive Old Testament type of person into more of an idea. So then I started exploring religion a little bit more again, more seriously, um, kind of went through this phase of exploring, you know, church hopping, uh, I fell in love with the Episcopalians. It felt like Catholic light. <laughs> and, you know, for a while I claimed Episcopagan uh, because it was this mix of being empowered as a woman in paganism, but having the ritual of Episcopalianism that I really loved. Um, and, of course, bringing my saints in with things again. Um, and part of that journey was becoming a certified spiritual director and I worked um, in ecumenical type of situations. Uh, although I did study with Benedictine nuns, they were so sweet. Uh, I remember they told me, and you know, at first I told them, you know, my, my complicated relationship with religion. And they would always check in with me. It's like, okay, is this too religious for you? You know, are we spending too much time on Bible, you know, Old Testament kind of stuff? Uh, and, and they were just amazing. And so it really helped me kind of forward my own spiritual journey more. And it helped me kind of frame what, um, what you and I refer to as seekers, kind of this journey of, you know, seeing what works for you and what doesn't and, and deciding, you know, being purposeful in how you pick and choose what you want to carry with you and what needs to be set aside. Um, my undergrad degree is in philosophy and I took philosophy of religion and really I started to see where religion fit in with that and how um, 
religion and how people live their religion is really how they live their personal philosophy and how, you know, philosophy kind of hits the road. So went on to do my graduate work in sociology of religion because I felt like that was really, you know, religion happens in community Mm -hmm. and being able to kind of frame that in that context made a lot of sense to me. Um, And when it came time to do my dissertation, they told me to pick uh, a religious group to focus on that I had some experience with. I did my master's on a black church. And of course, being a white girl from Utah County, (laughs) I didn't have a lot of experience with black church. Um, So they suggested I, you know, I do something a little closer to home. So I thought, well, you know, maybe I look back into Mormonism. That seems like there's a lot of interesting things going on there. So I started attending um, Mormon churches. and, And I remember that first time that I went back, it was in 2008. And I sat in the parking lot for about half an hour (laughs) before I walked in. And I kept telling myself, I don't have to stay. I can leave at any time. But if I walk through those doors, I have to walk through with an open heart and an open mind. And it was incredible. I found a community, and this was in New Jersey. I found a community that wasn't anything like what I remembered Mormonism being like. And I fell in love again with Mormons and um, decided to do my dissertation on the idea of ward family. And um, in that process, you know, I had to promise that I wouldn't convert to anything while I was doing my dissertation work and which was a wonderful space to be in, you know, so I did participant observation type of research um forward fast forward um to uh, well let me back up and just put in one little detail the missionaries that i had there when i because i thought well i want to make sure i get this right so i agreed to visit some missionaries again and um i saw lots of missionaries in new jersey <laughs> went through a lot of a lot of companion pairs but this one group this this these two specific missionaries that came and visited me they were incredible elder davis and elder ogwen and i said well you know if i ever do get baptized again i'll you know i'll call you guys and they said no when you when you get baptized again no matter where you are we will be there we will come and we'll baptize you so i said okay so um fast forward to 20 15 when I come to the Bay Area still looking at Mormonism by this time I had published my book uh, had graduated with PhD and thought well maybe I haven't felt this connection to Mormonism because I haven't rejoined I I still feel as an outsider so and the Mormon group here in Oakland was again an incredible group they were forward-thinking they had um there was a a couple of gay members in the congregation they had this open idea toward women um and i thought well maybe if i was more active it would make sense to me again because in all of my looking around um i always felt like there's this bit of me it's almost like in my dna growing up mormon you can never really get rid of that and get rid of maybe isn't the right term but you know it's always part of you it becomes part of your identity and who you are and how you process things how you make sense of the world and so I thought well maybe I should give it another shot maybe I just you know jump to conclusions too quickly or and maybe the church really has changed in the past 20 years so I decided to get rebaptized. And I called those two missionaries and they came. They came from Utah to baptize me in Oakland. It was incredible. It was a, this amazing experience. Sadly, my timing could not have been worse because <laughs> this was in 2015. I got baptized in May. In November is when they announced the policy, the dreaded policy about not being able to baptize children of gay members. It was, it, it was awful. And 
and I just felt gutted. I just felt like so betrayed. And then in 2016, I got cancer and it just felt like, you know, life's just too short. I need to do something that really feeds my soul. And I need to stop trying so hard to fit into something that it obviously is just never going to work. So it was at this point that I contacted um, Robin Linkhart. So, and I had met you, mm -hmm. you know, so in my church hopping, uh, I had met you in Utah and I'd met Robin Linkhart and, and uh, told her that I had moved to the Bay area. And she says, Oh, you need to contact Walnut Creek. I think you would really enjoy visiting them. So I did. And, um, took me a little while, but I eventually contacted Gail Ronenberg, Ronenberg, I'm sorry. And she's the pastor there and she welcomed me. And, um, so I went to church and they were just really warm and welcoming and really easy to love. And after going there for a while, I thought this is perfect because I felt like I don't have to give up my Mormon identity. I don't have to give up some of the things that I truly love about their religion, but it's like they're best. They're living their best life. It's open and affirming. Women can be ordained into the priesthood. It's like everything I wanted Mormonism to be, they were. And they spoke that language of Mormon. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, and, and so it, it felt home. It felt like home in so many ways. And I just, I have just never been so happy. And it's just like coming home in a way, but to a home that's better than when I left it, <laughs> if that makes sense. And and I just like dove in head first because it felt like, I mean, at my age, I, I really want to do as much as I can and be as active as I can. So, and, and having spent so much time looking and searching and all the research that I've done, it's like, well, you know, I've already done the hard work, spiritual work, um, theologically looking as well as you know spiritual and praying and stuff so I felt like you know this really is what I want to do so I um just put my heart and soul into it and was ordained in June and um yeah so ordained as an elder and it's just been I mean and there's so the first time that I went to the church that you go to now in Salt Lake, that congregation, it was after Sunstone. And I don't remember who blessed the sacrament that week, but it was a woman. And I was just reduced to tears, just hearing that prayer in a woman's voice. I mean, and I still get emotional when I think about it. Mm -hmm. And the very first Sunday that they asked me to do that, it's like, oh, I could barely get through the prayer. It's... Oh, it's just, yeah, it still brings me to tears and gives me goosebumps. Um, something that I thought I could never do. And it always felt like in the Mormon church that I wanted, I was so hungry for God, and it felt like God didn't want me because I was a woman. In the community of Christ, it feels like I can bring my whole self, that everyone can bring their whole self your past, your sexuality, your gender, your race, your address, I mean, your economic status, everything, every single part of you is welcome. And that's just incredible. What a story. Uh, I did not know most of those details. <laughs> you know, I must say, like, you know, I, I got to give you kudos for trying so hard to make it work in the Mormon church. I mean, to leave at a young age and then to come back a couple decades later and just say, this is change and I'm going to give it another go to then only be let down in such a devastating way right around the corner. I, mean, I know. Yeah. <laughs> that's rough. Yeah. But I, I didn't realize that you are a spiritual director as well, that you have that, yeah. which I think is really awesome. And 
It's interesting because when I think of my time in the LDS church, granted, I was not an adult in the LDS church for very long. I left when I was 26. Mm. So it wasn't even a full decade really that I had as far as like being a grown up in the church. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as spiritual direction and spiritual practices go, I mean, those were things that I, I think that's what I was starving for. And so I think it's interesting because um, I've, recently been in touch with a lot of people who are leaving the LDS church. Um, Gina Colvin has a group oh, right. about Mormons, ex-Mormons who are interested in spiritual formation, but I see such a growing, I don't know if I would say movement, but I'll say it for lack of a better word, movement of Mormons and former Mormons who are interested in spirituality and spiritual direction goes right along with that. So I think it's interesting that that was a, a stop on your journey. Um, uh, um, so kind of that goes along with that. I've started this online group called Theo Thursday. It's theothursday.com. And we meet via Zoom the first Thursday of every month. And anyone can join. And, and it's just kind of this open conversation about spiritual issues. So yeah, anyone who wants to join, go to theothursday.com and sign up. For sure. Yeah. We can leave that link in the description of of this episode people can know where to get to it oh man i feel like i have a million questions now after (laughs) (laughs) um so i guess one question that i have is after it it would seem like and i don't mean to put uh words or an emotion on your journey like project it on there but it seems like it you would feel very betrayed after what you went through, you know, going through all these different uh, churches and all these spiritual experiences and trainings and education and church hopping, and then to try to settle back into the church of your childhood to only then be devastated. I mean, I'm just impressed that you gave another church uh, a second thought, really. (laughs) (laughs) I think that there's a lot of people who have been through a lot less who just feel so betrayed and jaded on faith communities. So I guess I'm wondering how you were able to trust a church again. (laughs) Yeah, well, it was, you know, and I'm glad you asked that because just to kind of preface this, one of the things that I notice is that people expect me to be really angry with the church. Mm-hmm. And even now I'm not. Um, and to be quite honest with you, I'm not sure why. Mm. Um, I think probably because all of the, the research and education that I have in religion, I, no religion is perfect. Everyone has their flaws. Um, and I think for me, going back and giving them another chance had more to do with, I fell in love with the people and I felt like maybe they just need more. Well, and, and and I, I don't want to sound, um, egotistical, but I thought, well, maybe I can help change the church from the inside. Mm -hmm. Maybe the church just needs more people who think the same way I do. Um, and, and so I thought, well, you know, maybe leaving at age 30, like you said, you know, I'm not really spending a lot of time as an adult in there. Maybe I just didn't give it as much of a fair chance as I should have. And maybe I didn't, maybe the fault was mine. So I wanted to give them the benefit of the doubt. And I think part of that kind of comes from just life experience you know, that you realize you were part in something in any relationship, whether it's with another person or an institution. Um, So I just kind of realized, well, maybe I didn't give it my fair shot. And maybe I just need, you know, not growing up super orthodox. I thought, well, maybe if I was orthodox, maybe it would work for me. You know, maybe let me just try it a different way. Um, (laughs) So uh, full self-disclosure, I'm... I, I have now been married three times. I'm married to my current husband um, six years now. So I'm not one to give up easily, <laughs> you know? So okay, I'm willing to try it again, you know, even though I've been hurt and, and um, you know, heart run through the ringer, I'm willing to give it another go. So maybe it's just part of my personal makeup. Maybe that's just the way that I am. Um, 
And, you know, and I'm not angry at the church. I feel sadness that it's not what I would really like it to be because I think it does a lot of good for a lot of people. Um, but I'm just not one of those people. You know, I needed to find something that was more true to, to who I am. And, you know, and in both times that I left the church, the kind of like the line in the sand was actually temple, going through the temple. Mm. So this last time I went, um, you know, it was to the point where, you know, they said, well, you know, if you want to go through the temple, that's the next step. And I really had to stop and think about, well, as a woman married to a non-member, what does that mean for me going through the temple? And started looking at that. And, and I just thought, no, I just can't. I just, I just can't go there. I just can't, you know, in, in every sense of the word. And, and if I wasn't going to go through the temple, my stake president asked me, well, what's the next step then on your spiritual journey? And I felt like there were no steps left with the LDS church. Wow. That's really interesting. Uh, you may have said this and I may have missed it, but was this the first time or the second time? The second time. Okay. So were you endowed before or? No. no. Okay. Yeah. So before the first time, you know, um, it was that point where we had had a couple of kids and I, and I, the marriage was not really super terrific, but it was okay. You know, and, and my two kids, they're amazing men. And I, you know, wouldn't have traded not having that first marriage, you know, to miss out on having those kids. But um, so I thought, well, maybe the marriage would be better if we went through the temple. So I kind of pushed my husband to go through the temple and he really drug his foot and said, no, you know, he didn't want to. And then we ended up getting divorced. I mean, and it, what, that was not the issue, you know, going through, but I, but I thought, well, that would fix it, you know, cause as a Mormon girl, you know, going through yeah. the temple, yeah, that, that's going to fix it. Yeah. So it, I just kind of thought it was interesting that both times the temple was kind of the, the temple doors were the ones that closed on me. Yeah. That is really interesting. So I'm, I'm, I'm wondering then, what did your relationship with God look like through this whole time period when you were searching, seeking church, hopping, uh, going back and forth? Uh, did you have, well, you did mention that through a, a college course, the idea of God shifted from maybe mm -hmm. a man or a physical being to just a, a, a concept. I can't remember what word you said, yeah, but, yeah. but yeah, to something different. So mm -hmm. did that heal your relationship with God at all? Um, what did, what did your relationship look like through all of oh, it? What a great question. That's awesome. Yeah. So it is changed a lot over the years and, and I would actually, um, you know, when I, when I work with spiritual direction and I, and I work with people and, and their idea of God hasn't changed, I worry about them. I feel like they're not pushing themselves enough. <laughs> so my idea of God has changed quite drastically. Yeah. So it went from being, you know, the old white man in white robes to an idea and a concept and a force. And then back to being kind of this mystery. Um, so it's been a complicated relationship. And, you know, I, I joke with people that I fired God on many occasions because he hasn't shown up to work. You know, it's like, um, and I still use male gender terms to talk about God because, you know, and even though I don't really think of God in that way, that's just, again, part of your religious DNA. And just so, yeah, it's kind of, it's a complicated issue. And I think, you know, my my relationship with the Trinity itself is interesting because growing up Mormon, you think of the Trinity as three individual personages mm -hmm. and um, embodied, you know, two of them actually being embodied. Um, and now it's, I still have this kind of push and pull relationship with that. Like sometimes it's easier for me to see them as this, you know, Tr mysterious trinity a three in one type of thing and then other times i still kind of tear them apart into three different ideas or three different personages um so talking about god is more complicated than just one relationship for me it's still kind of this three-way three being type of idea um 
sometimes I feel like God has been more invested in relationship than I have. And there has been incredible things, unexplainable things that have happened to me throughout my life that um, make me believe that God has always been there and always pulling me in one direction. Um, you know, some would call that magical thinking. Um, but I think that's part of my Mormon heritage that I really love though, is that it really, the relationship with God really is a personal relationship and it really can be real in ways that like you and I's relationship is. Um, so it's been, and it's still fluid. I think it's still one of those things that I work on every day. It's like, you know, so who am I in this moment and who is God in this moment? Mm, that's really beautiful. I like that, you know, so many of us who grew up with a very specific image of God and maybe God was in a box and you could only think about God in a certain way and God could only interact with you in a certain right. way. But this idea of who is God in this moment kind of busts through all of those walls and constraints that we put on God. So yeah, I, yeah. Really, I really appreciate that. And I must say, I think it's okay to use male pronouns for God. I kind of have gone through a, an angry feminist. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, <laughs> We've all been there. Yep. Where I feel my hesitancy in saying that, but I feel like the pendulum for me kind of swung really hard in the opposite direction, and I had to only focus on the feminine aspects of God uh-huh. and kind of break apart that too, because I have complicated relationship with the idea of mother. So this, oh right, mother or whatever. You know, it just it it's complicated. So yeah, I feel like my I'm chilling out a little bit, and I'm kind of down in a like yeah, God, male, female, both, and binary, right. non-binary. You know, I'm I'm more relaxed about it now. Is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I I've had those same struggles, and it really is hard. I think especially from both of our upbringing that it's so like, that's our initial idea of God. And it's hard to let that go. Yeah. Even though we know God is bigger than that. Yeah. Yeah. And on one level, you know, you can, you can know that and you can understand that. And then every once in a while, I mean, and you know, it's much less now, but every once in a while I would just get sucked back into that old way of thinking. And then I would get angry. So then the pendulum (laughs) would really swing the other way. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Journey. The journey is, it's called the journey for a reason, I guess. It is. It is. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, you mentioned a book. I'm interested to know more about that. Oh, it's um, the sociology of, well, let's see. It's called a sociology of Mormon kinship, the place of family within the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Wow. That, that's not a small book either. I mean, you're holding it up right now. It's yeah. It's um, 542 pages. Wow. Would you mind giving us an elevator version of, I mean, I don't, <laughs> you don't need to explain the whole book to sure. us. But <laughs> and so, yeah. Oh, thank you. <laughs> it's not often people ask me about my book. I'd love oh. to talk about it. <laughs> elevator version. Um, when I started looking into Mormons, the first thing that they say is, well, my ward family. And I wondered, as a sociologist, wow, that's really interesting. What do you mean by word family? Do you really mean family? And so this book looks at what they mean by family, how that gets perpetuated in teachings, in ideas, in ideology, in actual physical ritual, and ritual of things like making funeral potatoes. And the recipe for funeral potatoes is in the appendix. And for Mormons, that is ritual. Yeah. yeah. Funeral ritual. So um, when, you know, my question is, do they really mean family? And, uh, you know, is it a kinship network? And spoiler alert, yes, it is. It really is. And they treat each other as family. In fact, sometimes board members are treated better than family. Yeah, I think you're right. And actually, now I want to just do a whole episode on this topic because <laughs> I think it, it speaks a lot to why it's difficult to leave the LDS church. Oh, absolutely. Um, absolutely. Especially when you're in a heavily populated area, whether that's in Utah or outside of Utah. 
there's a lot of support with that. Yeah. Yeah. And so when you, when you leave that, you're leaving your social structure, you're leaving your support group. Um, Right. I remember in one of Rachel Held Evans books and she did not grow up LDS, but Mm. uh, evangelical, she laments after she has her baby um, of who will now, who will bring us the casseroles because she left her evangelical congregation. And, and I remember reading that for the first time and I was in the midst of my own faith journey uh, Mm. transition as well. And I just thought it's the same thing. I mean, I live in Utah County. Um, right. And so, yeah, when you leave your ward, when you leave the LDS church, you really are leaving a family. So yeah, you know, super interested to get your book and read it. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And oh, what a loss to, for that we've lost Dr. Evans. I know. I know. I still get sad and even angry over it. I know. It's devastating. Absolutely yeah. devastating. Oh. Okay, so Chris, you it sounds like you dove headfirst into your congregation and just mm-hmm. started getting involved right away. Um, it also sounds like you and I kind of have had similar um, I don't I don't know how to word this, but you and I had similar desires where I just wanted to be more involved in church in ways that mm-hmm. fed me. Right. And so in community of Christ, I could kind of navigate where I wanted to be engaged with as far as ministry goes in my congregation. And so I feel like I really dove headfirst as well. Um, So I'm wondering what kinds of things you started doing when you first started attending. And then, you know, what does your church involvement look like on a congregational level now? Mm, Okay. Um, When I first started going, it happened to be kind of during the whole I guess it was a retreat cycle, maybe embody and live retreat cycle. And I think it was the second time I went to church that the pastor asked me if I wanted to go to the retreat with her. And she says, I usually don't ask newcomers if they want to, you know, do this. Um, But I was like, yes. So anything like that, that I was invited to, or I found an opportunity for, I just took advantage of and said, yes, you know, and, um, so just kind of as an interesting side note, um, the, the Sunday that I got ordained, the, um, the theme was um, act without hesitation or something like that, you know. So it's, it's like that's kind of been the theme of my <laughs> involvement in Community of Christ. So anything that there was an opening for, you know, that like, oh, there, I, I, there's a chance for me to be on the pastor leadership team. Yes, I'll do that. Is there a way that I, you know, can I be the historian? Can I come to priesthood meetings? Anything that I could do, I just really took advantage of. And the more that I got involved, the more I loved it and the more opportunities I looked for. So things like um, even this Theo Thursday, I took the idea to um, the Sierra Pacific uh, conference leaders and said, you know, is this something that, you know, I'd like to be able to do and I'd like to see if it works with the church and, you know, maybe we can work, you know, work together on this as a way for seekers, um, to reach out and, uh, also kind of a spirituality for members, you know, spiritual practice that they can do. Um, so, you know, besides being involved in what was already offered, finding opportunities for myself and saying, here's something I'd like to do and working with leaders on that. Um, and then, um, you know, so you might kind of, this might resonate with you a little bit that in the LDS church, you almost have to be, it's you're called to do something, mm-hmm. you know, and, and you don't just, I mean, you can volunteer for stuff, but it's like, you know, there's certain jobs and things. And um, so I remember one Sunday kind of looking forward to my ordination and they said, oh, well, we need to prepare the emblems for a sacrament. And I said, oh, well, can I watch? You know, so this is the mindset. And they looked at me and were like, watch. Well, yeah, you can help. (laughs) And and they handed me, you know, the the sacramental trays and, and the grape juice. And I just started crying. And, and they said, well, 
but you don't have to if you don't want to. Oh. <laughs> no, you don't understand. You know, so just being able to to physically handle those kind of things it just meant so much. So I was always looking for opportunities to do that kind of thing. And right now I think it's the same way, you know, being feeling a calling to pastorship. Um, I just really want to to serve in every capacity that I can. And I really feel like this is the way that I can put my um, education and experience and personal journey all together and, and maybe help a congregation help, you know, serve God. Mm, that's really beautiful. Really, really beautiful. And I must say that we, we have similar experiences when mm. we have opened up, or I mean, not even opened up, but when we have invited others to help prepare the emblems, mm. people are like, wait, we can do this. I can yeah. touch them. I can pour the juice. I can, <laughs> like, I can set it on the, the altar in front. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's a big deal. And it, I mean, it, it is, it's really meaningful to yeah. have something that was so barred for so long and it's heresy to even question or think oh, know. You know, just because of your gender. Right. Just be invited. And it's, it's just like a normal average thing to community Christ people, but to seekers, it's huge. I it mean, is. Yeah. Really, really meaningful. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. So Chris, I'm, I'm also curious. Um, I usually like to ask people that I interview, you know, what are their hopes for community of Christ? Mm. Uh, Where do they see the church heading? And I think that uh, this question is especially important because, you know, churches everywhere are shrinking in Mm. and out of community of Christ. And, but I do think that there's a lot of reason to hope for Mm -hmm. the future. And I especially think that being a sociologist and studying the sociology of religion uh, maybe you have an interesting insight on spirituality and faith communities and their longevity and just what gives you hope. Yeah. Well, that's another great question. I do have a lot of hope for this denomination. And I, I really feel like if we've survived this long, we're in it for the long haul, you know, and I think we're going through a phase right now where a lot of our members are elderly. You know, they've, grown up in the church, their children have moved away from both physically and and spiritually. Um, But I also feel like in general, we're at the edge of another great awakening, Mm -hmm. that spirituality is coming back in ways that are going to be surprising and powerful. And I think society in general, it's shifts that it's taking is pushing that forward even more. So I think people are really, really hungry for that spiritual element in their life. And I think it's just going to take a little while for people to rediscover religion. And, and I think right now community of Christ is one of the best well-kept secrets in, in religion because we are so, um, well, we're just, so flexible in ways being a prophetic people, not just a people with a prophet, but a prophetic people that we really can grow and serve the spiritual needs that people need or that they're searching for. And and I think really it is this spiritual need rather than a religious focus that we specifically are are really um, in the right place at the right time. Um, the, the hardest part for us, I think right now is just waiting out another 20 years. Um, and, and I, this is a very, it's a very slow process in some ways, but, um, because the reality of finances and people aging, you know, it's a little bit rough right now, but I think, uh, you know, people like you give me great hope and your family. And I think that having that kind of energy, you know, we're, we're gathering it, but it, it's, it's just going to take some time. So, you know, I think, you know, I'm especially grateful for you and the work that you do and really feel like, um, 
your energy and, and your focus is helping people discover us in, in ways that is really going to be important. Well, thank you. I don't know if those compliments are deserved, but I appreciate them. I, they are. <laughs> <laughs> I, I agree with you, though, in that community Christ is one of the world's best kept secrets. And, you know, for me, when I talk to people who are post-religious or post-Mormon or whatever you want to call it, when, when we get down to it, the core values that we have are the same. Mm-hmm. There, I hear the enduring principles through oh. conversations and I'm like, okay, you, we're, we're on the same page, you know, yeah. the same thing. And they're really on board with the idea of being a prophetic people and having a voice in their community. That's really important for people. Mm-hmm. So I feel like all the dots are there right. to grow the church. It's just a matter of connecting those dots mm-hmm. and not even like a rebranding or a repackaging. Cause I no. think that what we have is good enough. It's just Mm -hmm. like you said, kind of writing this transition and then seeing what it looks like into the future. So Mm -hmm. yeah, Yeah. it's exciting. It's, it's a little bit daunting. Um, It is. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But I, I really am excited for, um, what the possibilities are. And I think that, you know, it's just wide open and I think that we really are going to see some incredible things. Yeah, I agree. So Chris, I have one last question for you. Okay. Um, and this is kind of coming because I feel like, I mean, earlier I did say, I felt like you gave me so much wisdom, uh, okay. my early years of being what we call a Latter-day seeker, but I'm wondering what advice you have for spiritual seekers, um, no matter where they're coming from or what step they are on their journey. Uh, what would you want people who are seeking to remember, I guess, whether that's remember about God or themselves or just what advice do you have? Oh, wow. Um, So I think it would probably be a mixture of things. So I think, I think, you know, that women's camp that we went to, that women's retreat where I met you, the Mm -hmm. theme was learning to walk in the dark. Mm -hmm. And that book has been incredible for me. Um, And I think in spiritual journeys, we find ourselves stumbling through the dark so often. And I would remind people that um, God, that's where God always is. So, even in the the book of Genesis, when God is creating things, God was there before he created light. God is the only constant in the dark. We always carry God with us. So remembering that even when it seems like God is absent, um, it's just another opportunity for us to expand our idea of God. So it's okay to change your mind about God who God is, what God is, your relationship with God. You're always changing and so is God. So, you know, just kind of find new ways to connect. Um, And then the other thing I think would be to not give up. Um, It's okay to be angry. It's okay to have questions and doubts because you're never – if you're certain about something, then that's usually when growth stops. So always question um, it, certainty and asking questions is always good. And, and it, like, you know, that first time when I stepped back into the church, doing it with an open heart and an open mind, you know, that's essential. Whether you're looking at Buddhism or atheism or, <laughs> community of Christ, you know, anything that you're looking at, even if you're looking at yourself, like, you know, who am I today? You've got to do that with an open heart and an open mind. Um, and find a community that encourages you to do that. And that challenges you, that will pick you up when you fall, that will be there. Um, you know, we mourn with those who mourn and realize that when you do leave your family, you know, like we've talked about leaving a ward family, there is a mourning. You've lost your entire family. It's okay to mourn that and realize that there's some wounds that never heal and that's okay. 
just be open to what comes next and and that's never going to look like what you think it will really profound i know the <laughs> listeners can't see me right now but i have this huge grin on my face and i'm just nodding <laughs> Oh, Chris, thank you so much. This was exactly what I was hoping this conversation would be. Oh, well, thank you. It's delightful to talk to you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And congratulations on all of the work that you're doing in the Oakland area. Um, I mean, I know that there's a pretty good group up there that is uh, spiritually hungry and thirsty. I mean, I know there's a lot of Mormon feminists up there. I hear the ward up there is really great. So yeah. You know, it's it's like a good community. It is. And the ward sent me this beautiful, the Oakland First Ward sent me this beautiful, huge flower arrangement when I got ordained. I love Congratulating you and supporting me. I know. It was, it was incredible. Yeah. They're doing Mormonism right. They They are. They should have seminars for all of the wards in Utah. Yeah. Oh, Chris, well, thank you. Thank you so much for sharing with us. Thank you, Brittany. Thanks for listening to Project Zion Podcast. Subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcast, Stitcher, or whatever podcast streaming service you use. And while you are there, give us a five-star rating. Project Zion Podcast is sponsored by Latter-day Seeker Ministries of Community of Christ. The views and opinions expressed in this episode are of those speaking and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of Latter-day Seeker Ministries or Community of Christ. The music has been graciously provided by Dave Hines. Dave Hines